A quick show note before we start the show. Make sure you follow along on Instagram, underscore Rob Johnston. That's J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. And the website is underexposedpodcast.com. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Yang. Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. Today I am joined by the one and only Peter Yang. Peter, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. Peter lives in Los Angeles, hails from the great state of Texas, and photographs subjects all over the world. He's worked with GQ, Rolling Stone, Esquire, the New York Times Magazine, and has shot campaigns for Coca-Cola, Comedy Central, Bank of America, the list goes on. Start from the beginning here. So before you were shooting for Rolling Stone and and doing all that different stuff, um, I'm sure that there were very humble beginnings. So can you tell me about the first experience picking up a camera? What's the origin story of of Peter Yang? The first time I picked up a camera was probably when I was six or seven and I was at the Tulsa zoo in Oklahoma and my mom (laughs) gave me a camera and it was just filmed back then back before it was cool. It was your only option. I decided that I want to go to the bat cave to take a picture because bats are cool. And when we got the film back, uh, it was just like a big glare on a window. And then my mom said, that's it. You're done. And uh, I probably didn't take another picture until I went to college. Or well, something that's like so that. Sad. That, that, that. That's my first photo. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like there might be something artistic about that. You know, if I can if I can find that photo again, you know, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think growing up in um kind of an Asian American immigrant family, you know, um, I never considered that I could do something that was was art related. You know, I wasn't really told what I could or couldn't do, but it definitely didn't seem like like a possibility. And I, I didn't even know that that was a that was a career. So I went to school for business. You know, I was kind of bummed out about it and I didn't even know. But you could tell by like how hard it is to wake up in the morning and <laughs> go to classes. And, and um, you know, I was just living my life. But when I um, saw this little advertisement to try out for the school paper. And I did with this like point and shoot camera that I got for Christmas. You just know when you love something like the excitement, like being unable to like shake it out of your head. And, you know, as someone who's like a pretty obsessive personality, like to find something that I was so interested in, it was just kind of a quick climb from there. One of the things that I want to touch on this podcast about is kind of overcoming fear. How did you feel at that time? You were you were scared and how did you overcome that and, and really, you know, set out on, on a real career path? I think the thing about fear that's interesting is how much less fear I had doing something I really loved. And if you if you cut ahead into a few years, you know, I, I did some internships. I started out in a newspaper and I did internships at different newspapers. And the whole time is like the thing I was obsessed about from the beginning was just actors and the Oscars. And so, you know, I always loved that world. You know, I would read like an entertainment weekly rest in peace at the school, like commissary and just get lost, like just absolutely lost in the world. And then kind of find my way back out of it a couple of hours later, reading a single magazine. And so even though I started out in journalism, I was always really interested in kind of like the actor world, you know, the the Hollywood world a little bit. And I kind of found out after my first job at the Austin American Statesman, I was in Austin, Texas at the time, that there'd be these little press junkets. And 
someone promoting their movie would come into town. And this isn't like now where there's a magazine shoot and, you know, you hang out with them for a few hours, sometimes the better part of a day. This was like a lineup of every little local newspaper and you would get two minutes with them as the photographer, if you're lucky. And I was always like a really shy, like a really shy kid. I think because I was so interested in, in this world, I kind of uh, went outside of my, my shyness and I was dealing with, um, I feel like this is a much more complicated thing now, but at the time he was just a legendary director, Woody Allen. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I have a lot of, uh, a lot of stories now that are more complicated <laughs> based on people's uh, performances post my photo shoot of them. Yes. Understood. Um, but, but um. <laughs> And anyway, like I, I was just so obsessed about meeting him and, and taking the picture that I remember just negotiating with with the, the publicist, like this high powered, you know, high powered publicist. And I was supposed to just photograph when uh, he was talking to to the to the reporter. But I, I, I like insisted that I bring my little background and I said I would only have to scoot him, you know, like 18 inches in the other direction. Wow. I just like wore this person down. And, you know, I got, I got a minute long shoot with him, you know, and it was just kind of story after story of me going way outside my comfort zone, just because I really, really love this thing I was trying to do. On the podcast thus far, I've had the great privilege of talking to some of my photography heroes. And, you know, that's one of the things that they say, it's, there's so much talent out there. And then a lot of the publications are, are starting to either downsize or be no more. So there's a lot of competition. And the one way to differentiate and, and, and to get jobs is by, you know, being, you know, impeccable with your word to quote that, that book and to, uh, you know, to make sure that those interpersonal skills are really there and you're punctual and you're nice and kind and, you know, you're working with the publicists in a way that's efficient and you're respectful of their time. So can you give me your insight on that? You know, working with people when you're on set, how are you trying to carry yourself in those moments? I've always been very technical. I, I know a lot of ways to do things. I have a very strong idea of how I want my picture to look. And that's a lot of time that can be saved, not fumbling around. Um, I've always been really organized in my thoughts. So when I'm talking to photo editors, art directors, I kind of express the shoot in like a very organized way. And I kind of can think of problems before they arise and talk through things. And I feel like maybe talking to me, they know, like, I'll just handle it one way or another. I think I've always been like a nice guy, you know, and someone who seems collaborative. And I don't know, hopefully I'm good at photography. So I, I feel like I feel like those things are the things that came a little easier to me. The things that were really, really hard is I'm kind of a major introvert. I generally would prefer not to talk to people if possible. And speaking to my subjects is really, really, really scary for me. And that took a really long time. I think earlier on my shoots, people would come and not know who the photographer is. They would always come to my assistants and say, are you the photographer? Because I would consciously try to shrink away from being acknowledged you know, as the photographer in any way, because that's a lot of responsibility because I would see, you know, through how I imagine other photographers to be, the caricature is like the, yeah, baby, Austin yeah. Powers one, but like, <laughs> there's a certain command the photographer is supposed to have. And I never felt like I had it. And I never felt 
confident to express that. Um, but I think over time, you just become a lot more, you just become like a lot more comfortable. So I, I think those were the things that came really natural to me. But in terms of kind of communicating with the subjects and communicating with publicists, uh, back in the day, I, I would kind of avoid my responsibility of looking at the picture as a greater whole. And I would focus on just getting that lighting a little bit better. And then I realized that that was kind of a crutch towards the much more important things to the shoot themselves. So now instead of, you know, I do my little lighting diagrams and so on, but I spend most of my time uh, speaking with, with, you know, my subject, with the publicist, you know, with hair, makeup, with sets, like I, I definitely treat the photo as a whole. One of the things that I want to try and test out today is to look at some case studies and some individual pictures. So one of the things that I want to initially talk about, and for those of who are following along, it's peteryang.com. And I guess we'll start off with sort of like the white seamless background portraits that you're doing, you know, since a lot of people here are portrait photographers and stuff. Why is it that you choose to shoot on white a lot? And, you know, there's this sort of specular kind of quality to it. Can you maybe talk about how you're achieving that effect. And, you know, when you're working on, on set in the studio with entertainers, what, why is it that you choose to go along, you know, the, the brighter side of things? I'm just naturally really drawn to not so much white, but kind of off anywhere from, from an off white to a light to mid gray kind of for backgrounds. If it were up to me, everything would be white and black and gray and, you know, neutral colors and, yeah. And uh, it helps when I work with stylists and other people who want to color things up a little bit, because I'm always looking for people to push me out of, you know, my personal aesthetic. But in terms of lighting, like, you know, you had noted that it was specular and, and I think the easiest way to say it is when I started out, I was using a lot of white sources, you know, like white soft boxes, you know, I'm talking about the interior, of course, yeah. uh, white white soft boxes, white umbrellas. And for quite a while now, I, I use interiors that are, are silver. You know, I tend to use very hard sources like, um, you know, pro photo magnums and these big dishes that emulate the sun, you know, very hard shadows and stuff. And then when I use, when I use octobanks and parabolic reflectors they're they're always kind of beaded silver on the inside so that really gives like a different quality of light to the skin it's more specular there's a little bit more life to it you just have to be a little bit more precise because it can also take you to crazy town a little bit um <laughs> it could be a little intense on people so i think with anything with a little bit of practice um i i think uh when i look at most folks i can kind of look at their skin type and and look at their their bone structure and and sort of feel what range of uh, what range of modifiers I can use. And I do still use white ones. Some some people are just asking for for that white interior. So um, that's definitely still in the mix. Whenever I'm doing lighting, I I really like this idea that it that it exists in the natural world, and I really like to mix available light with strobe. And finding, finding the balance between the two. And it can happen a lot of different ways, but it's sort of this like um, nuanced balance between 
the light that's there and the light that I, that I'm adding. And one of the challenges I think, especially if you're shooting entertainers is they love that block of time right between like 11 AM and one o'clock. I can't tell you how often I, I get it where I swear the publicist is like looking at the light chart and they're like, Nope, the sun's not high enough yet. We're going to wait till it's right up there on the top. <laughs> right. over And yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not quite high enough yet. Let's make sure that lights real blue and real toppy because I don't want my client to look good in, in any capacity. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, what they're saying is they're coming from something and they're going to something and they have a dinner at six. So you get to shoot them at noon. Right. Um, so cool. And for me, it's like, I'm not like, I'm not so into like putting the the little diffuser above them or just cutting the light. And, re, you know, I still, I still like to use that hot sun as much as possible. So I kind of figured out a way that, that as much as possible, we can still use that sunlight and I can fill it in with specular sources and have it feel, I wouldn't call it natural. I would call it probably a little hyper real. Essentially, if you're using the sun, which is a very hard i don't know if i'd call it specular it probably isn't it's probably not the right term but it's something i would say it's very sun-like right if you fill in those shadows i think using a specular source it balances a lot more if you yeah. if you use like kind of a white soft source it it feels like a separate like a separate look yeah, yeah. there's this picture of conor mcgregor that he's kind of walking towards the camera I think that kind of captures what you're talking about because he's outside. He's about, he has like this sort of industrial looking uh, like loading dock behind him. And yeah. then the sun is coming. So if I had to guess, the sun is coming from the right hand side. And then you have, I'm gonna see if I can guess maybe like a, a big giant silver umbrella, or my second guess would be a beauty dish. Am I, right? I think that is either a silver seven inch grid reflector or uh, a magnum reflector. Um, that's kind of right by the camera or a little, a little back. I think, yeah, I think that's a good example of like having it look really natural, but just punching in, you know, I think most people looking at it, it just kind of feels like daylight, but you know, as a photographer, you know, like those eyes would be way darker if there wasn't some type of fill. Um, and if you, if you turn that light way up it's going to have a different look right it's going to feel very like sort of party flash looking Mm -hmm. so it's kind of finding that that um that right amount of it exposure and the other kind of key to that is um you know with the way light falls off i usually have the light handheld of course because we're walking and we're moving but i try to have my assistant stand a little further away and that way with light fall off, then if the subject moves slower or faster, the light's not affected as much versus if, if they're standing closer, then, then the light variation really changes a lot. So, um, I think the last big thing I learned in photography in regards to this and a lot of other stuff is just the idea of light fall off and when to put the light very close and when to put the light very far away. And I think a lot of times the way people teach, how to light things is they like put it closer, make it softer. There's a magic distance. And I think for me, more often than not, I'm trying to get the light further and further away, not, not closer, you know? That's interesting so, you say that because I've, yeah. I've been kind of having a similar experience because I would take these classes on YouTube and stuff and they would, 
they'd be like, just get a big giant light source and just like get a friggin' C stand and just put it right above their head like Paramount style, and that would be like big, beautiful light. But then I see the people that I look up to and they're they have like these silver umbrellas and they're kind of like far away or they'll have a beauty dish and have it like wait you know have an assistant holding it in this like obscure place or like victoria will she shoots with these like little umbrella things that are kind of like not even pointed in like the general direction of the subject i'm like what is happening and i think that there's probably a level of experimentation that comes with time that you may not be able to get you know watching you because i think a lot of times that they're just when you're doing online learning, they're probably just trying to do something that's a good, something that somebody could take in a practical application and just apply to their subject and get nice, soft light. But I think that based on what you're telling me that if you want to have something that, that looks different. They say you can become an expert in 10,000 hours. I think it takes 10,000 hours to get good at just what you're talking about, you know, on YouTube. I think what you're talking about I probably do very few of any of those things you would learn on, on a lesson, but I think it's really important that you understand all of that stuff because that's the fundamental of, I think, portrait photography of, of this, this kind of biz. But then over time, you learn kind of what works for you and what works in different situations. And I also say a trend in photography right now is pictures that look very unlit. For example, some time ago, if we had a, shot a photo inside you would you know have your key your fill your kicker you would balance it all it would feel very very lit and very perfect and now they do what would be called like bash lighting which is just taking a, a light with a hard reflector and throwing it off in a corner of a room not even in front of the subject kind of to side shoot one off the ground shoot one off the wall and that coupled with 20 other correct decisions creates a picture that's very natural, very modern, very impactful. But if you don't have, I think the experience of all the other things, it can also just create like the shittiest picture ever made, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I think, I think um, for me, a really important thing is that especially if you're not a really technical person, is to have like a few lighting setups that just work for you that work in any situation. And I think anytime I go into a shoot, I think about, first of all, I try to do as much prep as I can. I try to get pictures of the photo. Um, if you look at, if you look at like my computer, I just look like the world's biggest stalker because I'm on satellite <laughs> view. I'm seeing like what's in the house. I'm seeing what direction the sun is. Um, I'll kind of mood board a shoot just based on all the things I think I see. We go to realty photos, just I can use that wall. The sun is there at that time. But ultimately, there's almost always a seamless in, 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 the, in, in my truck. And it's like, if it all goes to hell, we can stick a seamless on a wall and get this shot. And then that kind of, I think, not only does that help the photo be more successful, but it you don't want to go to a shoot all stressed out and figuring things out as soon as you get there. And then you're all, you know, you want to go in there with some type of, some type of Zen quality and knowing that, that if, if shit hits the fan, you can still get this photo is very relaxing. Yeah. And then you can really like look around and decide how to make the best use of that environment. 
of all the pictures that you have, there are so many. It's like picking a favorite child. There really are so many. But one of the ones that I've been using in promotion of, of you coming on the show, which I'm super happy about today, is that picture of Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I, I think I might just like his, his suit, but the quality of light in that is really great. It's sort of a gray background. There's sort of this gradient thing happening in the background. I'm going to link it up for people that are listening. But can you maybe talk about that? And I, I know that you mentioned before this that you work with Jimmy a lot. And, you know, tell me about that shoot and how do you kind of achieve some of, some of those looks? Well, that's my favorite type of shot, which is just me, which is a stylist like Brian who's an amazing stylist, just killing it with his look. And I'm just doing like a, a lighting that's inspired by kind of high fashion, you know, on a white psych falling off to a gray. And Jimmy's just doing his thing. Like I, this was, this was, a this was a while ago. So I don't remember how that exact moment happened, but um, I'm pretty sure he just, he just did it, you know? So all, all I had to do was light the picture and, capture the moment and and he did most of the work the one next to it with the um crazy tv on his head and him drinking the whiskey <laughs> yeah was sort of like was sort of my brilliant idea you know <laughs> i when i came up with it i thought it'd be a, a 10 out of 10 and now that i look at it it's it's a solid probably six and a half out of 10 <laughs> but i think ultimately um i i come into shoots with with kind of these like weird zany ideas, but I'm very open to someone just performing for me. I'd rather like when I see, when I see my photos of people, um, my goal isn't for them to be a reflection of me or, or my aesthetic. Like I really do want to capture, I really want them to perform and I really want it to feel like I'm, I'm capturing their performance. And sometimes in certain situations, I'm literally just capturing their performance. And sometimes it's, it's my idea helping them along. But I never, I think the thing I never want it to feel like is that I've, I've created this set and I've created this situation. And I've decided that this is the, this is the person who's going to be in it. And it's like, okay, just come in and do this funny thing I, I want you to do. And thank you. I'll see you later. You know, right. I, I kind of wanted to feel like at the very least, it's a collaboration with the subject, you know, and um, I've actually never thought about it that way. But that that is something that's really, really um, important to me. Yeah, and absolutely. hopefully, hopefully it kind of shows. For sure. It's a minute ago, but I'm pretty sure that the source um, with Jimmy Fallon is a brown color para 133. Um, I don't know if I have to 133 right because I'm not great with centimeters to inches, but it's the one that's like five and a half feet. So what that is, it's it's that light sort of in a middle zoom. And then there's a lot of uh, V flats and flags um, cutting light off the background. And there's some negative fill to the left creating that shadow that's so cool i love you know it's not so much it's not so much the way i light things but i think one way of lighting things that people don't think about so much is instead of adding more and more lights is to to kind of take away lights it's like you sort of just use your one source of light and you start subtracting light with black v-flats and black flags and negative fill 
And um, you can do a lot. You can do a lot by taking it away. People tend to think about adding more. Yeah. But, That's so yeah. cool. Yeah, because it is a really dynamic sort of photo. You know, from the outside looking in, it's like it's Hollywood. You know what I mean? That's how it feels. Sort of thing. It's I sort of had this this dream of what it would be like. Could you talk about sort of the subtle nuances that maybe people don't see and the politics of it? I would imagine that there's some some Hollywood drama with it. Can you maybe give me some insight on that? Yeah. And are we talking more about like an advertising shoot or, or an editorial shoot? For me personally, I have an interest in like editorial and celebrity portraiture. And that's sort of interesting okay. to me. But just advertising, that's something I could see myself doing as well. So I guess a, a little bit of everything. But just what are some of the, the common things okay. you see in those? Well, an editorial shoot is simpler in many ways. Uh, I can just start at the beginning with that. As far as my understanding is from the photographer standpoint, uh, for the most part, there's a, a photo editor at a magazine. And... Usually, usually they just ask you if, if you're available, if you want to do it, you say yes, and you're, you're shooting. Uh, for certain higher profile actors, uh, it, the photographer has to be approved by them. Sometimes the magazine will present a few different photographers. Uh, sometimes the, uh, the talent themselves will request a photographer. And... Um, that's where you want to be as a photographer, the one that talent says uh, says they want to work with. And, and I've so been fortunate awesome. to have um, to have that with a couple of folks at certain periods of time. Um, but for the most part, I think I'm coming in from the magazine side. And when that's all set up, we kind of decide if it's a studio shoot or a location shoot, kind of figure out a space. Uh, we figure out a concept for the shoot. Um, most of the shoots I do these days are, are cover shoots where there's a little bit, some more resources. I, I, I'm always talking to people and saying, I'd like to do more, more, um, more smaller shoots because you can just kind of go and do it. Whereas the cover shoots usually have a lot more planning, but there's more resources too, which is nice. And, um, it's a little different now because I feel like we're more, in this world of just kind of making like cool, I don't know how you want to call it, cool, flattering sort of pictures. Uh, back in the day, we did a lot more humor and comedy, which, which I do hope comes back a little bit, but that took a lot of back and forth. Um, I've had shoots when I used to uh, do like humor comedy for GQ, where we'd go back and forth with talent for four or five days be writing down ideas. It's like almost like an SNL pitch meeting, you know, and, and we're always trying to find the balance of the zaniest thing that would still be approved by them. That would be, that would be flattering and, and all that. Um, so anyway, once the, the concept and, and the idea is approved, uh, usually these days we'll create like a little mood board that shows how we, how we see the, the shoot going, then that's it. That's all, that's all kind of the planning the planning stages of it. Do you ever have times where you're sort of navigating the publicist and then the magazine? And do you just try and stay out of the way in those situations? Because I, I would imagine there's a lot of strong opinions at, at this level. In my job now, there's almost nothing that stresses me out anymore. I've had, I've had it rain on me. I've had celebrities who rely on their makeup artist to be the lighting director 
to, to make me change the lighting. Like I don't really have much of an ego. I've had all sorts of crazy shit that happened and none of it stresses me out. The only thing that stresses me out is when there's a disconnect in the creative, especially between what my client wants and what the subject wants. I think it's really important for me that, that the subjects, you know, whoever I'm shooting is super into the shoot and they understand what it is. Cause I, I, I want to be a collaborator with them. So once we're all on the same page, it's all, it's all great. It's kind of funny because I'm like blissfully naive in this journey. On the one hand, I have this very like elementary understanding and that's not baiting for compliments. It, it's true. Like I have lights, I have cameras, I can take a good picture, but I really have no idea what I was doing. Even if I got a job like assisting, I feel like I would be probably over my head on a professional set, but I'm having these conversations. It's both really inspiring, but it's also sometimes I, I don't think that I know how big the people I'm talking to are. You know, like I talked to Arch Driver and people like, dude, you had Arch Driver. I was like, yeah, man, it was cool. He's a nice guy. But it's, it's, it's weird. Like the internet, it's very strange in that regard because I just see it from afar. It, it just seems like this impossible gap between us. And it's good because it, it like today after this conversation, I'll feel really fired up and I'm going to go dust off my silver umbrellas and try that out with my friends and stuff. But it's a gift and a curse to be able to talk to you guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, that that's that's hilarious you know it's fun i have so many thoughts to to offshoot all of that more but, of a um, gift i would say <laughs> yeah various thoughts i have is i think your perspective on this one's perspective on this changes over time you know for myself in my 20s i just wanted to do the type of work that I was seeing my favorite folks doing, you know, in my twenties into my thirties, I was lucky to have a pretty, pretty early start on all this. I was starting to shoot some pretty big things and I was feeling like I was joining the club. I was feeling like the ego of the youth. I was feeling pretty good about myself. This is me being very candid, but my friends would say like, you know, I think you're one of like the top 10 editorial photographers right now. And in my mind, I was like thinking that that sounded, maybe it's a little high, but it sounded about right. Whereas looking back, like, how do you even say who's what? And now as I get to this, this, this age, I'm, I know more than I ever have, and I'm searching more than I ever have. And I feel as confident because I know so much over just time, but I also feel the least, the least confident because there's so many ways to do it. And I used to think that there was a best way to do it, or there is a great way to do it. But now I just think if you make a picture that impacts people, you make a picture that Im impacts people. I see so much work of like younger people, which I think are so amazing. Like they hit you on an emotional level. You know, I wouldn't have lit it that way, but I couldn't have made a picture that good. I've kind of had to, like, I'm constantly trying to expand and, and, and grow myself while kind of staying true to whatever it is I do, you know, finding, finding the balance of all that. And, um, 
I definitely feel the most humble I've ever felt. I felt the most, I feel the most grateful I've ever felt. And I'm telling you, that's a, that's just a way. It's not your question, but this is for the, these are for the old heads of the people listening. <laughs> it's, it's like a great place to be. I'm like the happiest that I've been probably. Yeah. I think also to another point is like, I don't, I don't know that there's anything great about any photographer who's done some nice work and all that. I think, I think you're great if you're good to work with and you're like a kind person, you know, Victoria's awesome. I, I don't know art very well, but he was super cool when I talked to him last time. And I only hear the greatest things about him. And I think he kind of gives back to the photo community as much as anyone. So it's, it's awesome that there's, um, folks like that out there, you know, working at his level. I feel like I'm searching and all that, but the, the only thing I like give to myself is I've thought about, I've done this long enough and I've thought about it long enough. And after every shoot, um, you know, I have, a tr- I have, um, I have a studio manager, Trisha, who works with me and we work very closely. She's still based in New York. Cause I used to be there. We've worked together for 12 or 13 years. And after every shoot, we kind of debrief and, and said, what went right about the shoot? What could be better? Sometimes, sometimes at the end of a shoot, when it's like, oh, dear God, that was kind of a shit show. We sort of talk <laughs> about how, what, what could have been predicted, what couldn't be. Like, I'm constantly searching to sort of improve, improve this whole process. And there's just no way for someone who hasn't done this so long, thought about it so much, had this many conversations to, to be able to handle all these situations so easily because you've, you've just seen it before, you yeah. know? So if there's anything great or whatever, I just think there, there's a great amount of experience. And I, I try to take what I can out of that. It's funny. I, like the way I perceive myself is I'm always, I'm always on to the next thing and I'm always trying to do something different or better. And once in a while, when, when I look at my website, it's usually when I need to change it because it feels like out of date. It's kind of like, holy shit. I met, I met all those people. It's like super, it's like super, super surreal because it's, it's not kind of how I identify. I just identify myself as someone trying to not fuck it up basically every right. time. Yeah. I so totally I that. definitely don't identify myself as, as what, whatever, like the, whatever my work is. So that's a great, so point. yeah, I don't know if there's any answer to it, but there's so much great stuff of, of what you just said. And I, I, I've learned that it's a pressure and time thing. You wouldn't know that because I bring this up on every podcast, but I, I am hoping that right. through my, my trying to articulate how I'm feeling, that's valuable for other people. This is not like an effort to be like self-serving or whatever. I really just am, I'm trying to articulate how I feel when I'm not doing that. Like, just like you said, you know, there's this perception of Peter Yang larger than life taking Conor McGregor's photo. And then there's who you really are as a person. And I'm trying on my end to sort of articulate that. Yes, I'm talking to all these people but I'm also in a place where I'm sort of apprehensive about it. I am, I am excited. It is exciting. And it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not learning how to coal mine. I'm learning how to do something that's like, you know, fun. One of the things that I really kind of get nervous about though, is, is the, 
this being a financially viable endeavor, but I think I would probably just revert back to what you said. Just it's sort of a, a time thing, but it just, I don't know. I'm not somebody who does, you know, whenever someone's like, we need a proposal. I'm like, Oh fuck. Like I just open up Canva and just start trying to make like weird. I, I don't, the business side of thing, that's where it's tricky. I could see how I can get a job like as an assistant. I could see how I can take beautiful photos on my own with my own stuff. And then that snowballs into something else. But me doing this in that professional sense seems almost unattainable, but I guess it's just a, a time situation. I don't think it's just a time situation because yeah. I think what you're talking about without practically learning stuff, that's just more time. You're not making money or charging the right fees or, you know, any of that stuff. So I think what you're talking about takes, um, like you're certainly welcome. I'm certainly welcome to talk to you about some of the business aspects of this job. But I also think right now there's, maybe it's always been like this, but just because I, I know some, I know some folks who are, you know, my, my little circle my little circle, we've been around a while. There's sort of like, you know, we have reps. There's like a certain, there's just a certain way this, this whole thing works, but there's, there's a stage where you don't have a rep and there's a stage where you're starting out and there's a stage where you're dealing with clients who need to be educated or you're dealing with clients who are working with a lot of photographers who, who don't have, um, really business background. So they're offering a lot of things for free or underpriced. The first thing to do, I mean, I think you need to understand the business aspect of it. And I'm going to preface this by saying like, I have no idea how any of this works. So I'm just kind of <laughs> speaking out of my ass. But my feeling is like, it's about the product first, right? So you need to have either, either connections. There are people who just know the right people and they're good enough as photographers. And they, they just get out there like that. And if you have those connections already, then you're probably fine. But most of, most of us don't. So I think the way to start, it, it, it is about your, it is about your work. You know, it is about shooting something that speaks to people. That's, you know, if we're talking about being a commercial photographer is to be marketable to people and to kind of stand out from, from other folks. You know, I think it's important when you're, starting out to have a very distinct style that is your own. And I think having, however you did, however you develop that is sort of your own journey, but you know, one of the best things for me starting out is I knew exactly what it is. I liked, you know, I liked the uh, pictures that were lit a certain way. I liked a certain amount of stillness and irony in, in pictures and everything I shot, I would put in that lens, even if it was completely not the type of picture you would shoot that way. I love like still stiff, awkward ring light key plus ring light lit looking pictures. Clearly I was looking at a lot of like, you know, Dan Winner's work at the time. Um, and I was just sure that that was the only thing worth looking at and everything else was, was not as good. And I was totally wrong, but also it was totally helpful for me to be so single-minded. And now I think with the access to so much information, it's really easy to kind of be all over the place. But if you look at most of the people's work you like, there's a very like 
solid style to what it is that they do. Yeah. And, you know, it's harder when you're younger because you do want to be able to take any job. You do want to be able to shoot the little like still life food thing and the portrait and this like like you like even now to this day, people ask me for still life samples and for architecture samples. They're like, well, we're shooting a person, but we're also shooting still life. Can you do that? So I can't imagine starting out like how many types of things you need to show. But I, I, it is really hard for me to imagine how you can make it in this business without having like a very distinctive style that, that is to your own. It doesn't even have to be the best one out there. It just has to be consistent, you know? Yeah. So, um, so build I it think that's probably, sort of thing. yeah, I think that's probably easier for some and harder than some, but um, I, I think that's, I think having your own voice and your own style is very important. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's I that's I think how I need to look at this thing. It's sort of like build it and they will come. Like just create great work and you know, yes, learn about the business side of things, but the product needs to be there. And I've had that with this podcast too. And that's I think what's different about this, you know, venture than my first podcast was it was all over the place. I was trying to be everything to everybody. Sometimes the audio was good. Sometimes the audio, audio wasn't good. Whereas this one, it's, you know, I'm having very existential therapeutic conversations with my favorite photographers. It's going to sound the same way every time. But the, the product itself, I think thus far, in, in my humble opinion, has been like rock solid, not because of me, but because I've, I've been able to create that same product every time. And it's different voices and it's different points of view. But it's something that's cohesive. I, I, I don't, I don't doubt that people come and listen to my podcast and think, where's this going sort of thing. I think at this point, even though it's only been like 12 episodes so far, I feel like there's a, a point of view on this show. We're just sort of coming to fruition. But if, when I set out on that, I had no idea what that was going to look like. And, and it's only through doing it. So that's sort of just well, how yeah. it is. Yeah. I also think I also think you're doing a photo podcast and you have people like Art and Victoria who who are pretty well known and who have like a really strong body of work. And I think it's the same in photography. I think early on, I thought it was sort of, if I really worked on like how to light a photo and all this stuff, I would create these better photos. And as I look around now, and as I realized a long time ago, it's really about, yeah, it's about me a little bit, but it's about my subject in front of my lens. If I have an amazing subject that I shot well enough, it would be, a way more compelling photo than, than this, this shot that I just lit impeccably, but it was like a person that just wasn't compelling or no one cared about. Right. So it is about the photography to a certain degree. I think honestly, a great photo, it's more about your subject. It's, it's more about your styling and your, you know, all, all the things that aren't the photography. And it's really about getting an emotional moment or connection out of it. And emotion can be described in a lot of different ways. It doesn't mean that they're laughing or crying, but the picture needs to be compelling in some way. You know, lighting is, is, is all part of that, but there's just so much more to it. I think there's some people who get all of it and it's like, dude, you just need to work on your lighting because it's not great. And there's some <laughs> people who, who light impeccably, but their pictures are completely like uninspired yeah uninspiring and if i could pick one versus the other 
um, I would definitely pick a photo that has a point of, you know, that grabs you some way that isn't visually perfect, you know, yeah. and especially in this, this time that we're in, I think that's what people are drawn to. But I think people have always been drawn to that. Yeah. You know, dude, this is so good. I think we're, I think we're gonna leave it right here. I think this is freaking perfect, man. It's been so awesome. Thank you so much for doing this. We're, uh, we're rolling out the red carpet. Like we're on hot ones. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? I know it's obviously peteryang.com, uh, the Instagram, all that jazz. Thank you so much for having me on. It's really, really great chatting with you. And it's kind of fun trying to articulate all the mess that's in my head. Um, you said my website, it's uh, Yo Peter Yang for Instagram. And then I don't think I'm on anything else. Let's link Thanks up again too, man. Me. You got it, dude. Sounds good. I'm around. All right, cool. Awesome. All Thanks, right. man. All right. Thanks, Sean. Take care. Bye.